0: Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski.
1: Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, Charlie Soul, the co-founder of Culture X, joins the show. Charlie talks about his research which analyzed 34 million Glassdoor reviews with artificial intelligence. And so what they did was they ran these 34 million Glassdoor reviews through a natural language processing software. They identified key phrases and key words, and it was allowing them to determine why employees leave company, companies, the effects Of toxic culture, what makes a toxic culture, and how we start to identify good, great, and toxic leaders. It's an episode that's full of data and research. So I hope you're ready to take all that in. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high impact leaders who turn their teams into happy, high performers that achieve their goals. And a prime example is our client, MIQ, who has increased their revenue by 35% year over year, has 83% employee engagement when the global average is 21%, and they've also reduced turnover by 28% year over year. Can you afford to leave revenue, productivity, and lose your best employees? If you can't, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for the best research-backed, high-performance leadership strategies. If you haven't yet, head on over to Apple and leave a rating and review for the show. We would really appreciate that. We'd also really appreciate it for sharing the podcast with a leader in your life. Thank you so much. And here's the interview with Charlie Solk. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob kalvaroski and always the yin to my yang. Wearing black today, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you?
0: I am doing okay. And you are so <laughs> for calling me out of the black because you definitely see that color psychology, don't you?
1: <laughs> it's the only time you ever wear black. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's been a heavy week in the news up here north of the border, which I know we're going to get into in another podcast, but yeah, maybe not as high-flying on a Friday as I'm used to because of that fact.
1: It's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for that. But as always, let's start off with a quote, and I have one here from Martin Luther King Jr., and he says, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice, not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity.
0: Love that quote. I love that quote. Tell us why you chose that particular quote for today, though.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk today a lot about a great research paper out of MIT around the reasons for people resigning and Spoiler alert, it's not all about money. So on that note, we have a special guest with us today, Charlie Soul, the co- co-founder at Culture X and the author of a MIT Sloan Management Review article called Toxic Culture is Driving the Great Resignation. Charlie, how are you? I'm
2: doing great, Rob. How are you?
1: I'm great. And like, let's get into it. Like for people out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Do you want the, the long or the short version?
1: The, the long version. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in, uh, in Boston and in England, actually. So my, um, my dad, who's now my co-founder, is a, a professor. He was teaching at uh, between Harvard and London Business School. So I was kind of a, an academic rat, kind of moving back and forth. And um, I was always uh, very interested in literature um from a young age I remember my friends we, were, we would be on spring break in Ibiza and um they'd all be you know drinking by the pool and I would be reading John Milton and <laughs> these epic poems so when I uh when I got to college I actually I went into college wine to be an epic poet that was my uh career aspiration and I I pretty quickly learned that um uh, that that's not a viable career path these days for for better or worse so i i tried to do the next best thing i became very interested in screenwriting i um i joined this uh, comedy society the harvard lampoon which i later became president of and um yeah my goal is to be a, a comedy writer right you know curb your enthusiasm shows like that so i went out to hollywood for a couple of years tried to do that um got an agent got pretty close to a couple of jobs but it, it didn't work out um as quickly as i liked so i i kind of shifted gears and then fast forward a few years now I had, um, uh, co-founded this, uh, boutique strategy execution firm that, um, so we were uh, working mostly with, uh, senior leadership of very large companies. And, um, we did, you know, tons, tons of these engagements, helping companies become kind of more agile, improve their strategy execution, a couple, uh, strategy development projects, things like that. Uh, but the day everything kind of changed for me career-wise is um, we were doing a, an engagement with the uh, the senior leadership of the Gates Foundation. And this was a little bit different for us because most of our clients were these really big companies, Fortune 500 companies. They, they had, you know, a lot of uh, publicly available information about them. So it was relatively easy to prepare for one of these engagements because you knew so much about the company. Uh, with the Gates Foundation, it was different. They're a smaller organization organization. Um, and uh, they're private, so there's there's not too much you can learn about them on the internet. The one resource we had, and we were just experimenting with this, was kind of the new days of this uh, was Glassdoor. So we we found about um, 100 or 150 employee reviews about the Gates Foundation on Glassdoor, and uh, Don and I, my uh, my father and co-founder, we uh, we just kind of manually coded them looking for. Uh, you know, all these academically rich topics, so psychological safety, empowerment, bureaucracy, all these things that might be uh, culturally relevant and also strategically relevant. And uh, this was a new thing for us, so we were a little bit you know worried with this approach work, with this add value. Uh, we we presented and um, the first thing they said was, <laughs> we'll, we'll stop right there. We actually just did a large culture uh, a, a culture engagement um, to investigate our culture. This was a, a major endeavor. It was you know a mid six figure engagement. So we we think we already know about the culture, <laughs> but you know go on. So so we were like oh, crap. All right, so we we presented we, from this last story analysis, we had found five uh, cultural salient topics that we thought. Might help them, and we presented the topics. And at the end, they said, "Well, that's kind of interesting because this large engagement we did actually found uh, four topics, and they were the same topics. And actually, now uh, we're kind of worried that we missed out on this this fifth topic that you found on Glassdoor. So um, we thought, "Hmm, that's kind of interesting. It it seems like you can, if you can understand." The employee voice their natural language when they feel safe speaking up about the company you can actually uh find these insights that can be incredibly valuable to to organizations so we um tried this out in a couple other clients and we got pretty similar results it was um uh yeah it 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 added a lot of value so the next step was what if we could do this at scale because it's very time consuming you know to to read through all these class reviews and code them into these topics and find insights to them what if we could build a machine that could do it for us and this i found this very very interesting right so this kind of reawakened this this interest in language that i always had but now it wasn't uh creative writing it was kind of the opposite it was was a machine uh, learning how to uh to kind of think like a business school professor basically um so don and i became very interested in this kind of obsessed by this and we struck up a relationship we we uh we were friends with the, uh, the chief economist at Glassdoor, and we struck up this relationship where they gave us um, their data, and we used their data as well as some other data sources um, to uh, create a project called the Culture 500, which is what uh, this, this research you're talking about stems out of, all our research stems out of this. Um, it's the, uh, the largest uh, systematic study of uh, organizational culture ever conducted. Uh, so it looks at millions of glassdoor reviews and basically does what we did for the Gates foundation, um, except that scale. And, uh, so we worked on that for a number of years and that's what, uh, led to my current research and also what led to, uh, my, uh, my company culture X.
1: I love this. And like, this is something, I mean, obviously we have to nerd out about this, but, <laughs> um, but like, let's talk about that a little bit, like. What were some of the things that you noticed, like especially in your first one, where you're like literally looking through manually the reviews?
2: There's so much. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, so Culturex measures hundreds of different cultural topics. Employees can speak about a very, very wide uh, range of topics. But I, I guess what I'll say is some, you can tell even just reading them, some of these topics matter more than others. And we've, we've actually proven that this is actually related to, to this research paper that we're, we're doing now. Um, when you look at the impact that a topic has on the overall Glassdoor rating, some, some topics have a much higher impact than others. So employees can be critical about the company in a hundred different ways, right? They can say it's too bureaucratic, not innovative enough, not you know pet-friendly enough. They can have a variety of complaints. Um, most of these criticisms aren't gonna have a significant dent on the glass rating. Compensation, for instance, very, very frequently mentioned, but it doesn't tend to have a huge negative impact on the glass rating, slight slight impact. However, there, there are a special uh, group of topics that we call the toxic five, um, where it's very different. And you can actually just tell this just simply by reading the reviews and connecting to the reviewer on a human level. When reviewers mention these uh, topics of toxicity, you can sense a strong uh, visceral, uh, emotive, negative reaction. And this plays out when you do the analysis systematically. It turns out that um, these handful of topics, the toxic five, um, have a very significant uh, negative impact on uh, on overall company rating.
0: And may I be so bold as to ask about the toxic five, Charlie?
2: Of course, yeah. So that's um, that was our uh, our last research paper that. Um, yeah, it goes into when you talk about toxic culture, what exactly do you mean? So we, we uh, our methodology here is we analyze all these hundreds of topics like, you know, compensation, work-life balance. Most of them have a slight negative impact on the Glassdoor rating, but the Toxic Five um, can, uh, it's a cluster of uh, five themes. They are um, non-inclusive. So this can be things like uh, racial equity, gender equity, disabled equity, LGBTQ equity, um, it can also just be simply a uh, non-inclusive atmosphere or favoritism or cronyism or nepotism. So that there's that that bundle, and that's actually the most um, uh, frequently cited uh, marker of toxicity. And then you have uh, disrespect, which is incredibly important. So when employees um, talk about being disrespected, th- their language is often things like, um, I'm treated like a cog in the machine, I'm treated like an animal, I'm treated like uh, like dirt. Um, all these uh, topics about basically being treated like less than a human um, and not having their uh, their dignity valued. So that's um, another topic. The third is ethical. and um, this is um, a word employees frequently use here is shady. the the company is shady management is dishonest. Um, and it can go all the way to things like regulatory uh, non-compliance and um, outright fraud. you actually, um, it's actually very interesting. If you look at the Glassdoor re- reviews of Wells Fargo um, <laughs> from, from even a couple of years before the scandal bri- broke, you, you could predict um, that there was something very fishy going on in that company just by looking at employee reviews because topics like regulatory compliance and ethics were completely out of, uh, out of line with the industry. Um, so that's ethical. And then uh, there's a cutthroat competition. Um, so this is um, basically, normally the, the environment is so political or just generally unconducive to collaboration. So a lot of these quotes are things like, um, my coworkers are uh, out to get me, or there's a lot of gossip in the organization. Um, uh, I get stabbed in the back, a lot of politicism, uh, things like that. Just a very, a very unhealthy form of uh, collaboration. And then the fifth is just outright abusive behavior, which you see too much among glass stores. Things like, you know, the manager yells at me, the manager is a bully, the manager's a jerk, um, things like that. That's, is
0: it fair, fair to say, sorry, Rob, that, that the thing that connects all of those things is the way that they make their people feel?
2: yeah i i think um that's definitely an aspect of it i mean one way to think of the toxic vibe is these are a series of criticisms you have about the company that you take home with you right so if you you know if the company's too bureaucratic you could just go home at the end of the day and it's not going to really affect you that much on an emotional level but if you've been disrespected at work or you feel like your coworkers are out to get you that's something that's going to um, take its toll on you even after you leave the office. And actually one of, uh, there's a lot of research, um, that, uh, experiencing a toxic culture can increase the risk of major disease. So things like heart attack, cancer, uh, very serious diseases, um, by 33 to 50%. So this, yeah, this, this comes home with you.
1: Yeah. It's actually something. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I know what you're saying. We had to ask cuz it connects to what we're we're trying to prove on this show, right? Which is that how we treat our people relationally matters, right? How we make them feel. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just I was just digging into that research myself and I found a a paper out of uh, University of Southern Australia, I think. Um but they they had a some research saying that toxic culture is increases depression by 300% and also increases your risk of stroke and heart attack or death from stroke and heart attack. So it's, it's all aligned there and yeah, it's something I think we all kind of realized, but now that we're starting to see the actual impact, it's yeah, it's horrifying.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a, epidemic that people don't talk about that much i mean by our estimates about 10 million americans maybe more than that experience the toxic culture every day wow and
1: so maybe let's go there like 10 million americans like how many companies is that roughly
2: well every company every large organization experiences toxicity to some extent it's, it's a spectrum so even uh, we like to use the example of St. Jude Children's Hospital, which I have nothing but nice things to say about their culture. It's it's literally saintly. I mean, its uh, employees are very happy there. Um, it, we actually did a, a feature called the Culture Champions, which looked at one of the healthiest cultures in America. They were one of them. Um, basically, very very strong culture. Even there, um, about uh, two or three percent of their employees, which you know amounts to hundreds of people. Um, experience toxicity. So even if you have, um, and we can talk about kind of the the factors that go into fixing a toxic culture and creating a healthy culture, but even if you get a lot of them right, for instance, you know, senior leadership does a good job, they instill the right values, distributed leaders are for the most part good, social norms are healthy, um, and so on. In large organizations, you can still have these pockets of toxicity that will affect, you know, a a non-significant portion of the population. Yeah, I love so
1: it, that. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah. So it, it's something that affects every every single, uh, at least large organization. And uh, it actually affects small organizations more than a large organization. So you, you see, um, when you study toxicity by uh, organization size, when you when you have very uh, small organizations, so say one to about 50 people, the toxicity is relatively low. And we think what's going on there is it's, there's kind of a uh, a family effect. Everyone knows each other. They're pretty s- close social bonds. So you're m- maybe have less toxic behavior. But then uh, the, the uh, danger point sort of is when you get to kind of the 100 to 500 uh, person size, that's where you see uh, toxicity spiking. And we think what's going on here is when you have that size of a company, um, these social bonds kind of erode a little bit. You can't necessarily know everyone in the company or at least know them well. and you also haven't installed these uh, guardrails like a professional HR department that's going to curb some of this toxic behavior. So um, actually it's, it's that size of company where uh, toxicity is most pronounced on, on average. Um, and then once you become a larger organization once you get to the you know thousands or 10,000 uh, plus uh, size, um, then you see a real reduction in toxicity and we think what's going on there is because you have um, you know you've, you've just become you've installed better processes better human resource processes for dealing with um uh with bad behavior but even for very large companies you see incredible variance at the company level so um for the culture 500 sample which is uh, more than 500 of the largest employers in america Uh, you see levels of toxicity varying from two or three percent of employees are setting this negatively uh to in a couple cases 20 or 25 percent of employees are setting this negatively
0: wow these numbers are nuts the policies that let's talk about how we start to intervene on a toxic culture if we know that it's actually going on behind our gates where do we begin? It seems like such a daunting prospect, I know, for a lot of the leaders that I work with when this very topic even comes up.
2: Yeah, so this is actually um, what we were writing about in our forthcoming paper. And our, our methodology here is um, large-scale literature review. So we looked at um, over a 1,000 uh, studies of toxicity and how to fix it and and synthesized them. And the, the research is actually pretty clear. So toxiculture is it's hard to make an impact on this on an individual level, right? So if you have a manager who's being disrespectful to you, you can, you know, go tell your HR representative, maybe they'll deal with it. Maybe they won't. Um, What we're more interested in is how do you change this on a systemic level? And in order to do that, you have to get a couple of things, right? So it's, it's an interdependent series of relation, of uh, relationships based on uh, the absolute top team, normally the CEO, him or herself, um, getting their buy-in is, is critical for, for reasons that we'll see. Um, then distributed leaders, so middle managers. Um, then social norms, which both uh, senior leaders and distributed leaders help create. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of uh, evidence that uh, your... Um, your work, at, your work environment um, or work design uh, is, uh, it can be either conducive or um, or uh, not conducive to toxicity. So there are a couple elements of work design around um, workload, if workload's too high, if employees are stressed out, they're gonna be more likely to let their negative impulses shine um, and that can lead to toxicity. If there's ambiguity in the role that can also increase stress and stress um, uh, increases toxicity. So doing things like giving regular positive feedback is one way, reducing workload is one way, um, increasing empowerment is one way. Um, And um, this is all underpinned by cultural measurement. So cultural measurement uh, matters for quite a few reasons. Maybe, well, one of of the more important ones is to actually get this on the CEO's radar, because if the CEO um, doesn't care about this and can't, um enforce these positive social norms redesign work um address toxic behavior at the distributed manager level um then the overall culture change doesn't have much chance of succeeding so if you can speak to the ceo's language and they're going to be more likely to be persuaded by data um that's that's gonna that's gonna really help. And then also, um, measurement is just important for identifying where in the organization things are going right or things are going wrong, where you should intervene, um, what kinds of toxicity are prevalent, which will affect the the, the course of the intervention, um, uh, which individual leaders are exhibiting this toxicity. So one of the cool things you can do with um, with advanced cultural measurement now is go for a manager level and read a lot of three hundred and sixty reviews. Read. What their peers, uh, superiors, direct reports say are their strengths and their challenges, and then analyze them with AI. And it turns out this is an incredibly effective way for identifying um, managers who exhibit high levels of toxicity. In fact, what we find most of the time is that about five percent of managers will account for about half of the overall toxicity in the organization. So identifying this five percent, um, and addressing that behavior and there, there are a couple of things you can do there one of the uh, simplest and often most powerful is simply um, making managers aware of how their behavior affects others it turns out if you can if you can just communicate that uh, that's often enough to make a dent on the behavior and then if that doesn't work then uh, coaching can be very effective and um, sometimes you know you need more uh, more severe uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the but um, but uh, but you need to address the, you need to address that problem and if you can find those five percent of managers that's one of the highest impact things you can do to uh, to improve the culture.
1: That's incredible five percent or fifty percent of the toxicity. Now I guess going that far. So you mentioned that the CEOs want data. Have you ever have you done anything around? The like the productivity or profitability correlations with toxicity.
2: Yeah, I mean there there's a very very strong business case for toxicity. So I I, w- I would say the well there's often also an ethical case, but yeah for the business case, um, the two strongest things one toxicity is as we can discuss. A couple of papers ago is the number one driver of attrition during degree resignation. So it's a huge, huge driver on attrition. This is incredibly costly to companies. If you lose people, it can co- it can cost two to three times their salary to replace them. Plus, you you know you, you lose their knowledge. It, it it disrupts the company. It's just very disruptive and costly. And um, two toxicity is the number one. Uh, negative driver of of glassdoor reviews so this matters for um your employer brand if you're wondering why are you you know getting all these one and two star reviews on glassdoor that are stopping people from uh wanting to apply to work for your company and accept the job offer uh toxicity is the number one culprit almost always and um uh yeah, so it matters for employer brand. It matters for talent attraction, but also, last reviews are indicative of overall employee satisfaction, which is closely linked to engagement. And you know, there's there's all sorts of research about engagement and, and profitability and productivity and so forth.
0: We definitely have seen that, hey, over the last two years, talking about this theme here on the show. I'm curious about the empowerment piece, because we talk about it so much as being a real pillar of leadership 2.0. And so I'm curious, like how do you empower your employees to speak up about this sort of thing if they're privy to it before it makes it onto a glass door rating?
2: Yeah, well, psychological safety is, um, I mean, there are two things going on, empowerment and psychological safety. Psychological safety is very, very, it's kind of the secret sauce of culture. So uh, a lot of times people ask me, what's the most important cultural thing to get right? I always say there is no right right answer in every situation. It depends on the company's situation, which is true. That's our approach. But if there was one unifying theme, I I would probably choose psychological safety. So going back to the culture champions, we uh, we took the culture 500 sample and selected the 21 um, superstars. And when you look at... Across all different facets of culture, so some of them succeed more on the employee experience, integrity, um, respect, and so forth. Others succeed on uh, on uh, you know agility, innovation, performance, and so forth. The the one thing that all of them had in common um, when you analyzed, uh, yeah, w- when you just yeah when it, when you analyzed hundreds of different topics, what was the single thing that they all uh, agreed they all agreed on that they all did well. Um, it was psychological safety. And um, it, it's just incredibly important because for a variety, psychological safety is very necessary for a, a variety of changes. If you're undergoing an internal transformation or you're trying to become better at a diversity and inclusion, having these difficult conversations, or even just if you're trying to succeed in a new market, especially in a, in a recession where there are all sorts of changes going on and you have to adapt to new circumstances time you're trying to make these changes that's going to lead to um, potentially difficult decisions and if you don't have the ability to speak up and say actually this isn't working um, then it, it can be very hard to, to, to make those changes successfully um, so uh, yeah psychological safety is is uh, is very important to cultivate and um, it's important to, to hear the the employee voice um when they feel safe to to speak up, so the, this also goes into into things like a uh, survey design, which is which is often the first step um, for companies who really struggle with this and do experience toxicity. Um, it's designing a survey that actually allows them to speak up, just like they are that they can speak up on Glassdoor, um, and if these problems in the bud before they do appear on Glassdoor. So, what would
1: that survey look like? Like, I've obviously I worked in corporate and like. Everyone always reports 80, 80, 85% engagement when clearly it's not that high. Like, how do you design a – like, what would someone out there want to put in the survey to make sure that they're getting good results?
2: Well, you want to hear the employee voice. You want to hear their natural language. It's, it's difficult to make sense of the culture from a lengthy engagement survey or a, a, a one to five point scale engagement survey, which is by far the most common technique right yeah. now. So, if you have something like that, if you have you know dozens of questions, one on you know psychological safety, one on work life balance, you just you know you, you try to understand everything with these thirty six questions. Employees just go on autopilot. So pretty much every survey we see about 70% of employees um, are answering every single question with either the same answer or two answers. And (laughs) these are across a wide, wide variety of topics. There should be like, you know, five different answers there. Um, So they just go on autopilot. And as a result, you see very little variance in, in the questions. You can't get a rich cultural picture versus if you ask employees in their own words, what matters to you, what's working well, what's not working well. Um, they reveal not only their sentiment about topics is work-life balance succeeding or failing. They also reveal how top of mind it is to them. And that's actually the more important piece of information a lot of times. It's actually, you know, not, not only is this going well, but does it actually matter to you? Um, so yeah, the, the survey we, we we recommend is, is very simple. It's actually modeled after Glassdoor. And it, you just have a couple of questions, uh, overall rating of the company. You can do a couple questions on engagement to get some sense of you know is this going well or not and then simply what are the pros of working here what are the cons of working here what is your advice to management and it turns out if you do that very simple survey which can take only you know three minutes to fill out uh, not burdensome and you give employees psychological safety so you give them the assurance that writing their candid feedback isn't going to come back to hurt them uh, you can get impo- incredibly powerful and rich, rich results that can be used to change the uh, the culture.
0: And what about if you're trying to do this upstream, right? Like if you're a relatively new business who's looking at creating this type of championship culture, I think we're describing, right? Um, what are some of the tips that you would have for those leaders that are out there listening?
2: Yeah, so... It depends because, you know, different companies are going to be in in different situations. And Our our approach is always to look at this holistically, you know, take into account what your strategy is, what your market conditions are, um, what your employees are saying. So uh, there isn't necessarily one path to cultural success, but I would say that um, installing good listening systems and installing good measurement systems from the get-go um, is very important to, 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 um, to allow for changes of any kind.
0: Makes sense to me. And then how about, I have another question in and around how all of this disruption over the last two years of the pandemic, moving so many businesses into a hybrid model, how do you foresee that affecting people's culture? And maybe there's some things that leaders should be aware of in terms of what they're up against there. Because it's harder to hear and see your people is what my leaders are keep telling me in the chair, right, when it's remote, um, at least the ones that have never done that before in any way, shape, or form. So, I'm just curious how we can help them with a little bit of advice.
2: Yeah, we're, we're very interested in that topic. We're, we're trying to find a really good data set, a large-scale data set, so we can approach it like we do culture 500 um so we're still figuring out the answers but one thing that is for certain is remote work is incredibly popular with employees 89 percent of employees say they um, they want at least some remote work Um, when you look at employee preferences there it appears to be a consensus that employees want about two days of in office work and three days of remote work so i i think and i hope that um you know the the future of work will uh, evolve to the, to the employee's benefit. Um, on the other hand, you know, there, it, it does seem like there, there could be some, uh, the challenges now employees will face, particularly around, uh, collaboration, but, um, I can't say too much more than that. I mean, we're, uh, it's still something we're investigating.
1: What's the future of leadership look like to you?
2: Um, That's a big question. I mean, I, you know, I, I, hope it's, you know, more, more humane and and less toxic and everything, but of course that's, you know, contingent on the labor market. If right now it's incredibly friendly, uh, friendly to employee labor market, which, which could shift over the next few years. I mean, the the one, yeah, it's a big question. I, I don't have all the answers. The, the, the one small domain that I, I think I could add value on is I think we will, um, as, as tools continue to, to develop I think we'll get better at assessing um, leadership strengths and challenges and better matching them um, to success profiles I think we'll we'll get a better sense of uh, for any given position in an organization what are the the traits that are going to facilitate success and hinder success and who are the leaders who um, who exhibit those traits and uh, do a better job of matching which I think will uh, overall improve the state of business and uh, improve organization's ability to uh, to succeed. Do you have a sense
1: on those traits yet?
2: There, there are so many. I mean, it kind of, it's kind of my same answer to how do you change a culture. It depends on the culture. So um, we measure hundreds of these leadership traits, and there, you know, wide, wide variety and anything you can imagine that employees write about in their feedback. And depending on the specific circumstance, uh, different traits are going to matter. So the the question isn't, um, you know, what are these universal traits that are going to win for every leadership situation? Because, you know, impossible. impossible. I mean, people would say John Lennon was a great leader of the Beatles. And a lot of people would say Angela Merkel was a great chancellor of Germany, you know, completely different traits. So different situations are going to require different traits. But I think what we will uh, do a better job of um, in the future is using data to determine what those traits are and to match them with with the suitable leaders.
0: Makes sense to me. We gotta ask while we have you here, this is our favorite question, Charlie. What do you want the legacy of all of this incredible game-changing research you and your father are doing over there at Culture X to be?
2: I want to improve so many cultures for so many employees that they will write songs about me. <laughs> <laughs> first day, Rob. We've never heard that one before. <laughs> say,
0: write a poem. <laughs> write a poem about me.
1: No, I love that. And Charlie, for folks out there, if they want to engage your work at Culture X, where can they find
2: you? Uh, CultureX.com.
1: And what, what does your typical engagement look like?
2: Um, so a lot of times we'll, uh, we'll start with a culture diagnostic, because no two cultures are alike. So we'll, um, we'll analyze uh, different types of employee data. So this can be external data, or it can be an engagement survey or 360 reviews. And uh, we'll analyze that text at scale with with the insight of a business school professor, and then uh, depending on the various objectives, common objectives include uh, increasing retention, increasing engagement, uh, aligning culture to strategy, becoming more agile, becoming more innovative, um, what have you. Depending on those objectives, we uh, we find ways to, uh, to achieve the objectives based on employee feedback. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be more specific than that, but our improvements, <laughs> uh, they vary a lot.
1: No, I love this. And yeah, for folks out there, you can find them at culturex.com. We'll also drop Charlie's LinkedIn in the podcast notes so you can connect with him there. Susan, is there anything you want folks to take away from today?
0: I love this interview. Awareness comes before intelligence. You can't solve it. You don't acknowledge folks. And hello, if you're going to start acknowledging what's going on in your culture, of course, you got to measure it. And now we have a resource for that. I'm so, so happy we brought Charlie in today. Thank you so much for breaking that all down for us, statistically speaking, that really helps us make the case over here at the Leadership Launchpad Project, right?
2: Yeah, glad to hear it. Thanks thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, and for us, please head on over to... The Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and hit subscribe. And if you're looking for any leadership development programs or coaching, head on over to EliteHighPerformance dot com. And for me, what I want folks to take away is that this technology and natural language processing is possible, right and I spent a lot of my career reading manual work order entries with data <laughs> um, and y- there's a better way, right? And it's the same thing. It's like setting it up for success, either at the beginning or running those now to get the data you need to make informed choices. And Charlie broke it down for us is like toxic culture is 10 Point seven times more predictive than money when we're talking about people leaving. And so this is incredibly important, not to mention their personal health, mental health, and all the other stuff. So this is super important. Get on it, folks. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: Everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week.
0: Bye, everyone.